This is Health on the Plains, a podcast about rural communities, rural life, and the many factors influencing the health and well-being of rural Kansans. Health on the Plains is a podcast from the Kansas Health Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan educational organization committed to informing policy and improving health in Kansas through honest, nuanced conversations with leaders and doers from a variety of backgrounds. The Health on the Plains podcast offers unique insights into rural health challenges in Kansas and shines a light on the people and organizations working to make their communities healthier, more vibrant places to call home. Welcome back to another episode of Health on the Plains. We just wrapped up a a great conversation. We're here on the tribal lands of the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation we just talked to. Zeke Rupnik, who is the chairman of the Tribal Council, we talked a lot about the the nation's efforts to expand access to care, uh, behavioral health services, they expanded a new facility, we talked about how uh, they responded to COVID-19 and made the vaccine available, and and through it all, a lot of really great lessons about how you balance uh, honoring and and recognizing uh, the history and what you've learned from those that have come before you and how you balance that with being innovative and building towards towards the future. It's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Well, thanks for joining us on Health on the Plains. I'm your host, Wyatt Beckman. Today, we are on the lands of the Prairie Band, Potawatomi Nation, near Mayetta, Kansas, uh, in the northeast part of the, the state. Today, our guest is Zeke Rupnik, and he is chairman of the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation. His uh, current term uh, began in 2022 and runs to 2026, but this is his second term. He also uh, served from uh, beginning in 2018. Uh, Zeke is a, a veteran. He served a dozen years in the U.S. Army. He also has direct experience within healthcare, uh, having worked 13 years on the data management and the business side data mm-hmm. analytics at the uh, VA Eastern Kansas Healthcare System. On the education side, uh, he has a, a master's uh, degree, uh, MBA in business administration from Baker University. Uh, and, and finally, uh, Zeke uh, has provided his wisdom and insight through different presentations and, and speaking engagements. Most recently, uh, very recently, uh, he was a, a guest speaker for uh, the Tribal Sovereignty Speaker Series hosted by the University of Kansas. Uh, we're really excited to to be here with you, and Zeke, thanks for thanks for having us. Well, thank you for coming here. So, the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation is one of four federally recognized tribes in the state of Kansas. All four are up here in the the rural northeast mm-hmm. uh, part of the state. The others are the Iowa Tribe of Kansas and Nebraska around White Cloud, the Kickapoo Tribe in Kansas, just west of Horton the Sac and Fox Nation of Missouri in Kansas and Nebraska, uh, near Reserve, Kansas, up on the border, uh, and then the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation. And we're going to talk a lot uh, today about the ways you all have expanded access to care, mm-hmm. uh, behavioral health center, and your expanded uh, health clinic. Uh, but before we we dive into to some of those uh, some of those successes and and maybe some of the challenges behind the scenes. For those of us that uh, are less familiar, can you tell us a little bit about the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation and about your role as chairman of the Tribal Council? We're we're here in the Tribal (laughs) Council 
uh, meeting room, and you usually sit right here. Right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your role on the council and, and about the, the nation as a whole. Well, uh, we're originally from the Great Lakes area. And um, through a series of treaties, uh, more, more specifically, uh, the Treaty of Prairie du Chien that was signed in 1829, um, we ceded 5 million acres of land um, to the United States. Um, that treaty was followed by the Treaty of Chicago signed in 1832, where that one um, further removed and further ceded a lot of land mm -hmm. um, to the United States. Um, right after that, um, President Jackson um, uh, signed into law uh, the Indian Removal Act, which was to force all Indians west of the Mississippi um, into new lands. Um, we were caught up into that. Um, there were a lot of folks that were in Illinois that wanted us to remain there, mm -hmm. but uh, we were forced to move and we were forced at gunpoint and mm -hmm. we eventually made our way to um, Council Bluffs, Iowa. That was supposed to be our original reservation. Um, some of the tribal leaders at that time didn't particularly care for the land. Uh, we were kind of too close to some of our enemies that mm -hmm. we had. And so our scouts came down here into this area that was uh, originally call land. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, this is an area that we could live. And we signed a treaty in 1846 with the money that we received from seeding the mm -hmm. Council Bluffs land. And we purchased, and mm -hmm. I say purchased, mm -hmm. a 30 by 30 square mile reservation in Kansas. Mm -hmm. um, and today, we only live on 11 by 11 square mm -hmm. mile reservation. So through um, different treaties and government actions, our reservation was reduced from a 30 by 30 square mile to an 11 by 11. 11, by 11. And, and that's where we're at. And that's where we're at today. So um, part of my job and responsibility, of course, um, as the chairman for Prairie Band Pottawatomie, is to uh, um, enhance our tribal sovereignty, mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, our laws are, are um, uh, that we have in place for our tribal members, that we're doing everything that we can to enhance mm -hmm. our, our reservation, our environment, um, so that we have something to pass on to our kids, our grandkids, mm -hmm. and those yet to come. Because mm -hmm. right now, really, we're just borrowing this land this time, and we're hoping that we leave it a lot better than we're, than we're, the way that we found it. Yeah, what a what a uh, beautiful way to think of of our time and how we can be be intentional about leaving it better for for the the next generations. And I think that that uh, idea in uh, in a lot of rural communities where maybe they're on fourth, fifth, sixth generation, mm -hmm. that's really uh, something that I think resonates with with rural communities of thinking about how the, the kids and the grandkids that are going to be here, how can we make this community, this place, uh, this this land better? And one of the one of the pieces of that is is making it a healthier place to live mm -hmm. and, and be in. And that's something we're going to we're going to dive into with, <laughs> with some of the work you've done with the health center, the behavioral health center and some of the the, the work on COVID-19. So you're chairman of the Tribal Council. Can you can you tell me a little bit about uh, what the Tribal Council's role is for the for the nation? 
tribal council's role is the governance of the nation. So um, our, our system of government, uh, the tribal council enacts all the laws. Hmm. Um, ultimately, it's the general membership that is overall in charge or sets the direction hmm. for tribal council. Um, one of the things that we had done since we started was uh, put in place a new strategic plan uh, mm. with the uh, input from younger uh, folks mm. and some of our elders to say, what areas should we be focusing on so that when it comes to making decisions on laws, uh, repurchasing land or any other economic developments, that that fits in line with our strategic plan overall for the nation. Uh, so you're being, the, the tribal council is, is helping weed those decisions, but you're being really intentional about hearing from, from the, whole, the whole community, the whole member, all the members. A absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we are a uh, pretty uh, solid community where everybody will express their opinions and ideas freely. Uh -huh. And, you know, being able to take those uh, ideas and, and move them into action is our job. And then once we get that and we decide and we go through our due diligence of making sure that it's, it's feasible, that it's uh, cost effective, that uh, we have the space, then we can start formulating a plan to move it forward. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that uh, that background. That's that's really helpful because as we think about uh, some of the decisions that you all made and the thought that went into some of the the growth of healthcare access, it's helpful context to know how you all are approaching making those decisions. Mm -hmm. So, as I was preparing for for our conversation, I, I was spending some time looking at the the nation's website and. Even I even heard it as we we started as you introduced yourself and and uh, or introduced the the nation and and some of the history. It, it struck me that you all are holding two things, uh, two important things at the same time that that seem like they're in intention, but you're able to to do it well. On the one hand, there's clearly uh, an appreciation for an acknowledgement of the history. Of, of the the tribe of the community of the the nation and all those that came before you and honoring those there's community events there's uh, educational things with the schools to really keep keep that history and the the culture and and that alive and at the same time there's a lot of innovation and you're you're building new facilities you're expanding facilities you're uh, trying new uh, economic development opportunities you're exploring uh, different approaches to to grow a business. So those two things kind of seem like they they could be uh, intention, and yet you're able to to do both. And when I think about a lot of rural communities, I think that tension can feel really pronounced because in a lot of small small towns, the the town I'm from is fifteen hundred people. Uh, you know, we we care about and want to keep the history of, of the, mm -hmm. the school and our, our teams and of the people that helped uh, develop the, the bank building that's downtown. But at the same time, we, you have to be forward looking because mm -hmm. the world keeps changing. So how, how, do you, how do you hold those two things at the same time? <clears throat> well, in our constitution, our constitution kind of outlines some areas that we should be focusing on. Um, one of it is um, acknowledging our veterans. 
Hmm. Um, Potawatomi people have fought in every war this nation has ever been in, um, including today where we still have a lot of members serving. So that is one area that we're always focused on, making sure that we take care of our veterans and, and acknowledging their sacrifice, because without that, we wouldn't be here today. Um, the other one is, is making sure that we acknowledge our elders. That's where a lot of the information, the cultural knowledge that has been passed down to us lives. They have that. And we want to make sure that we get that knowledge and that we share it um, with our youth uh, to become productive people in, in our um, society. And, and of course, then looking out after the youth too. We want to make sure that we have um, activities and um, different uh, venues for them to take part in to be a productive person. Um, it, it's kind of a balancing act, absolutely. But those are all things that kind of go through your mind, especially when people bring stuff to the council. How does that affect our, our veterans? Does it affect our veterans? How does that affect our elders? And does that affect our youth? And can we make a decision based on that? And does it fit into our strategic plan? Yeah. And with with those and you mentioned you have a strategic plan that that you've gotten input and you're that guides the the direction for the 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 nation but with those three populations think about it, you've got uh the youth that are sort of thinking about the future you've got the elders that have a lot of the experience and you've got those that have absolutely sacrificed and with those three populations in mind what a what a way to to sort of have a broad view of both where you came from where you are and where you're going mm -hmm. all at the same time. That's a, that's a really great way to, to pull all of those together. I'm going to take us to back to a time uh, that was really challenging. Uh, the the COVID-19 pandemic, we all know, um, was, was really difficult. It was so many tragedies. Uh, you all did a lot of work uh, and rightfully had some recognition for the efforts you made to make the vaccine available mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and the ways that, that you made it accessible here in, in this rural uh, corner of, of Northeast Kansas, uh, and, and rightfully so, got a lot of recognition for that. But a piece in, in your response to COVID-19 that, that I think was really important, but was maybe a little hidden uh, that I, that I wanna, wanna talk about is, is how you communicated with, with, your, with your members and, and with the, the nation when those early days, those really uncertain days in early uh, 2020, when, when we were all trying to figure out what to do, I, I looked at the, the Prairie Band Potawatomi News, your quarterly news, mm -hmm. and you, you addressed all the members directly and you said, this is, this is what we know, this is what we're gonna do, this is why we need to do it. And every quarterly news since, you've signed off telling folks to take care of themselves, to, to, to be mindful of, of the, the, the efforts that need to be done to keep everyone safe. And it just struck me as uh, a really important piece to, to be that, that consistent voice in, in the response and, and to be clear. But I'd love to, to hear how, how you thought, when, when you think about the, the challenges of <laughs> responding to a pandemic, what, 
what role did that play in how you all were able to have some of the, the successes you did with, with vaccines and, and your response? You're, you're absolutely right. That was a scary time. And um, one of the uh, things that was constantly running through our minds was how are we going to protect the citizens of this nation? And I know that there were some tribal nations that actually closed off their um, reservation um, and they barred anybody from entering. We thought about that and, you know, we had a long debate about whether we should close off the reservation just to keep our population safe. Um, I think if we look back at history, one of the things that really um, uh, did a lot of damage to Indian people was smallpox. And that was constantly going through our mind, too, because we didn't know who had it, how, you know, where it was at, what the... Uh, incubation period was for any of this stuff, we have to figure out what we're going to have to do to keep our community safe. Um, once they started going through the shutdown process, um, we looked at and talked with our casino personnel over there and said, what can we do so that we don't have to have members driving in buying toilet paper when we have no idea uh, you know, who's infected and what's going on? So we actually set up a commissary out of our casino um, that members could call in utilizing the vendors that were already in place that supplied the casino um, and, and allowed our members to buy that at cost um, so that they didn't have to go to town for that. All they had to do was fill out a piece of paper. The employees that were still employed at the casino would fill out their shopping list, they would go in there, they would pick everything up. The members never had to leave the car and then they could go ahead on and put it in their back of their car and then, then they could go home. That was just one example. Um, once we started looking at uh, the availability of the vaccine, we knew, and, and it's you know a, no hit on anybody, but uh, we felt that it was better to go through IHS as opposed to the state. So they gave us two options. You can either go through the state, get your vaccines, or you can go through Indian Health Services. Mm -hmm. We chose Indian Health Services. That way the federal government, fulfilling their trust responsibility to tribes, could directly um, give us the, the materials needed. So when we received our first batch, I think that was in January sometime. I, um, I can't remember exactly when, very small, very limited, and that was supposed to go to the um, healthcare um, folks. They had a lot of fear too, because there was a lot of, um, I don't know, disinformation, I guess, over um, what the vaccine was, how it was supposed to work, what were some of the effects that it may have on you. And um, because of that, um, I said, well, I will go ahead on and be the first one. That way, if something happens, everybody will see me. I will do it. And, you know, if, if it's all safe, then I encourage everybody to, to get it in and to be safe, to protect themselves and their family. So I did, you know, and, and I received a little blowback from that because, you know, some of them were like, well, that was supposed to go to the healthcare. But if you're trying to build trust, in a system, 
then you have to set the example. And of course, you know, like you said, I was, I was in the military 13 years, you got to lead by example. And so some of that as, as a leader of the nation or any other government organization or anything like that, that's where I think we're lacking in a lot of different areas is folks are not leading by example. Let's, let's put ourselves out there. Um, let's make the unpopular decision and, and let's build that trust. After that, a lot of the healthcare employees did receive the vaccination. They did start getting that. And then I encouraged all our other members, the ones that were vulnerable, that had uh, immunocompromised uh, diseases, things like that, get in there, get it vaccinated. Um, and then we started receiving a, a whole flood of vaccinations from the community. Um, we came into tribal council. We kind of discussed this because um, a lot of our members were still interacting with folks outside of the reservation. Um, we came to the decision to say, let's make sure everybody that wants it can have access to it. Mm -hmm. um, because in the long run, that's gonna help our members out as well. Um, and you know, that was about the time when everything kind of started opening up. Some of the stores were being stocked. People were going to the stores. So anybody in the surrounding area, if they wanted to get a, vac a, a shot, they mm -hmm. could come to our clinic and, and receive a vaccination. Okay. Um, that was, you know, to the benefit of council mm -hmm. because they're the ones that really pushed that. Yeah, and it was a recognition that uh, infectious diseases don't don't stay they don't they don't stop at borders and and people that crossing crossing borders and um it, that makes makes a lot of sense and so you partnered with uh, some of the the neighboring uh folks to to make that accessible to the whole region which is really impressive i i started that question pointing out how you communicated effectively but you you rightfully pointed out how you not only communicated but you acted. It was mm -hmm. it was it was a lead by example, as you said, and and especially in in our smaller communities where you probably know, <laughs> like all, a lot of the the members, if if not all of them, and and they can find you and talk to you directly. And I, I just think of the the impact that leading by example can have in a in a tight knit community, as you said, a, a smaller community can be even more mm -hmm. profound by. You're not only saying uh, this is this is what we we think is a, a good decision, but you're you're showing it and you're you're doing it yourselves. And uh, thanks for thanks for going back in time to a really challenging time and and, and sharing some of those lessons. Yeah, um, I wouldn't want to do it again. Oh, you know, but uh, and and that was one of the things that I still kind of bring up all the time. Um, the virus is still with us. Um, we don't know how it's going to morph or what it's going to do. Um, if boosters are available, I encourage everyone to take one, you know, and, and, uh, I continue down that path. Um, uh, I think in our last tri general council meeting, I said, you know, it's kind of encouraging to see that some folks, um, still wear masks when they're out and about, and we should continue to do that. Um, whether you know some folks say they're effective or not anything that we do to help us out help ourselves out help our families out 
we should be doing that and making sure that we keep our families and and everyone that we love safe. And and something you you said that was intentional uh, and part of that that I imagine is important for for any any future uh, future efforts. Is you were building trust, mm-hmm. uh, building trust in in you as a, a leader of the of the the tribal council a trust in in the the folks that are administering the the vaccination trust in the vaccination itself and and building that trust and being really intentional uh, supports future work uh, later i i would imagine so now now i want to want to talk about uh some of uh the work that you all have done to address something that's a, a really common challenge in our rural communities and that's access to care mm-hmm. Uh, I I grew up uh, in a town where the closest dentist was a, a 30 minute drive one way or 30 miles, 30 minutes, uh, and and that was that was pretty common. And it was actually closer than than it probably would be now. And we we know that in general access to care, um, folks in rural communities often have fewer specialists available, have longer drives, and so when I when I started to read and see and hear about some of the work that you all have done to expand uh, your your clinic and and build the behavioral health clinic, I was really impressed. And so I want to start. We're going to go back to November of 2018. Mm-hmm. That's when the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation officially opened your behavioral health facility, and and you were at the ribbon cutting event. You got to cut the ribbon, right. and in doing so, you became the first. Uh, tribe in Kansas to build a facility solely dedicated uh, to mental and behavioral health services, which I think is an amazing accomplishment. But the nation had been providing behavioral health services mm-hmm. long before that. It, it wasn't the first time. But this this was a this was a significant investment. You're you're building a whole facility. You're you're committing a lot of of resources uh, to that. Unfortunately. You know the the health services in in our a lot of our rural communities they don't have that <laughs> that facility right. that's that's there. But but you all you all made that commitment, and it's been five years since it's opened. So I'm sure there's been some some growth and some some change. But tell me about that commitment and that investment back in 2018, and and how how the Behavioral Health Center continues to, to evolve to meet the behavioral health needs of your members. I wished I could take credit for that. <laughs> I was just at the ribbon cutting, so that was my uh, um, first really official duty as chairperson. Um, but it was the past tribal councils that made that decision. And, and you are correct. We've been offering different behavioral health uh, treatments many years before, we just had to have a dedicated building to be able to provide that and and hopefully expand that. I tell you that during the pandemic, um, that was really needed. And we can still see today um, some of the challenges the pandemic brought out with mental illness mm-hmm. um, within, the, within the members. Um, I think that uh, some of that uh, we were really looking at trying to expand was uh, adolescent mental health because uh, 
during the pandemic when everybody was shut out, they were isolated, mm -hmm. they, they didn't have that social interaction. Mm -hmm. And when, when uh, kids are in that age group or that period there, they need that. They need that social interaction with, uh, with their peers. Mm -hmm. And, and because of that, I think, um, that coupled with, uh, YouTube, internet, everything else really kind of, uh, set the tone, um, for a lot of these younger folks. And I'm glad that we've got those services mm -hmm. available. Um, I know that one of the things that we're looking at is, uh, uh, we just recently hired a psychiatric uh, nurse practitioner mm -hmm. out there, um, someone that can uh, go ahead on and, and uh, prescribe medication for that and, and really looking to expand that area because I think that that is a, a needed area um, only highlighted the, by the fact of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that, social services and and all of these other issues that typically plague many reservations. Yeah, and, and the, the timing, it, 2018, you open the facility and, and then a little over a year later have COVID-19 happen. And there was clearly a, a, a recognized need and it sounds like the need has, has not gone, gone away. And mm -hmm. there's even uh, more growth and, and expanding to more services and providing uh, additional access. We started our conversation talking about balancing history and, and recognizing all the sacrifices and, and, and culture that, that have come before you and innovation on, on the other side, mm -hmm. uh, new approaches or, or new ideas. When I was looking at the, the brochure for all of the, the services provided the health center, which it's a, it's a quite the long list as you, as you talked about. Something caught my attention though. In, in, there's a philosophy section as what the philosophy is for, for the, the center and how you approach providing care. And it, it says, we recognize the importance of our clients reconnecting with community, culture, and their spirituality as an essential component of recovery. And we've talked about uh, being a tight-knit community and, and those relationships and the importance of, of those bonds, those family bonds and social bonds. And I, I think especially in, in rural communities, those are really important. It, that, that statement and that, that philosophy uh, strikes me as a, a recognition that folks in our rural communities, um, especially, that are seeking those behavioral health treatments or a, a addiction treatment services, they're often really connected to, to the community, really mm -hmm. connected to the place and, right. and the space. Uh, and yet, because access to those services is, is often limited, to receive behavioral health services, you have to leave your community and, and go an hour away, two hours right. away. So when you think about providing behavioral health services right here it, in, in your community uh, it, where, where it's easily accessible for members and they don't have to go, go far away. And you think about all that you, you've, you've built, how does having a facility that's here facilitate 
being able to allow people to connect to their community and their culture. One of the things that, um, that we thought about when we were looking at this was um, Prairie Band Potawatomi are, are very traditional. And a lot of us have hung on to those ways that have been passed down um, by our ancestors to us today. And so we rely on that those ways. And we want to make sure that those providers that are providing that care understand that because there is a, um, a stigma, I guess, about mental health. And even today, a lot of people are not really embracing that, you know, and, and how do we uh, bring somebody in that, that um, um, can feel comfortable talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. those issues. Um, and, you know, maybe they said, well, I went out here and done this, but I still need a little more additional help. And, and having those mm-hmm. providers understand some of the processes and steps that they went through, maybe initially through their uh, traditional or cultural ways, and understand that that is still important mm-hmm. to them. And how can we incorporate other um, treatments that would take that into mm-hmm. account there too. And, and that, that piece is probably less likely to happen if, if you've got to go, go drive to, to exactly in, in, in case here, probably Topeka, you know, drive 30 plus minutes or 30 minutes or so down to Topeka. You, you don't get that, that experience probably in the same way that you have when you have that facility here. Exactly. And, and, you know, looking at constant education, um, constant um, uh, reminding folks of our cultural, our heritage, um, how that fits in, and mm-hmm. and really what that does to make the decisions or or helps them guide those decisions that they make needs to be taken into account and and base those um, practices incorporating some of that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the the behavioral health center, which in 2018 was was a, a new a new construction, is not the only not mm-hmm. the only uh, expansion of of health services you've had. Uh, much more recently, in the spring of this year, you got to participate in another ribbon cutting. <laughs> been been cutting a lot of ribbons and opening doors. Uh, this time, uh, it was the expansion of your health center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the expansion added about 1,500 square feet of space. Uh, the dental space more than doubled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you added additional office space in the conference area. Uh, the administrative offices were relocated there. Uh, and on top of all that, uh, you had a new space for diabetes uh, prevention program. The health center already has a, has a medical clinic, has MRI capabilities, has a pharmacy, health education programming, all under one roof uh, here in, in rural Northeast Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think many people uh, could be surprised by hearing all those services, both the, the number and the level of services uh, provided, uh, provided here. You know, we, we drove in, this is, this is not a metropolis, it's not a big right. city uh, uh, up here. Uh, and as someone uh, who grew up in, in a small town where I was often driving for, for appointments, I, I can only imagine uh, what a great resource 
that is for your members and and talked about thinking about the future and creating uh, a place where you can thrive. I, I can only imagine that 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 supports that. But you you said something in that ribbon cutting that that caught my attention. You said this expansion will allow us to increase our capacity to meet the needs of our members. I think that that's that makes uh, is pretty straightforward. But the the second piece you said, and it was designed to allow for for changes in an ever growing environment. Mm-hmm. There we're back to this idea of how do we build for the future. So even as you were celebrating, cutting a ribbon, celebrating the growth, we have this new facility, you're, you're recognizing that things will, will continue to change. So when you think about the next five, 10 years, how do you see, how do you see the, the nation um, continuing to, to grow or evolve to meet, meet those changing needs? <laughs> One of the things that we were looking at was uh, reduction of energy costs. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, we're in the process of um, utilizing solar panels on top of geothermal to help power that facility so that we're not you know, polluting the air or anything around us. Um, I think my other dream for expansion would be to utilize technology. Right now, we're trying to uh, secure grants that would uh, provide fiber Mm -hmm. to every resident within the boundaries of the reservation, the 11 by 11, Mm -hmm. so that we could take advantage of what like the VA has, telehealth. Mm -hmm. Um, So those folks that need to be monitored, they can be monitored at home. Mm -hmm. We can, you know, direct their care, so on and so forth. So. Um, those are some of the areas that I would really like to, you know, move forward on. We're working in that direction to get that done. Um, and, and just being able to provide different, um, um, services for our members. Um, one of the things that, uh, we're trying to secure right now is a uh, mail out pharmacy, kind of like the VA does, um, because, a lot of times if you're getting uh, medication that's on a regular basis, you don't have to come in and do that. Just call it in. We'll mail it out. We'll get it there as long as you've got the right number of prescriptions. I, I mean, I do it with the VA on my medication, so we should be able to offer that to them too. Wow. That even even more more uh, more innovations and, and growth, growth planned and uh, the you touched on a, a topic that I think will be um, will ring true for a lot of folks, unfortunately, in our in our rural communities. And we talk about the potential of telehealth, mm-hmm. but that's built on the foundation of solid broadband internet. Right. Yeah. And so you we look at the potential for for what those services could be, and you you say first we've got to we've got to. Uh, get the the broadband out there, and that's unfortunately true for for a lot of our mm-hmm. our other our other um, parts of parts of the state. The the other uh, piece that that I I heard that uh, is is interesting. You we talked about your experience with with the VA, and you you worked for over a dozen years there, and uh, it sounds like. You found a, a way uh, to 
bring in all of that experience and you, you marry your experience, the, the uh, ideas and, and your knowledge with uh, how, do we, how do we serve our members, honor our, our tradition, honor the, the, the constitutional requirements we have. And then you, you blend that all together with, with being really open to, to new ideas. And, and you put all of that together. And here in a, a really rural part of, of our, our state in the northeast uh, corner, you've built a, a new clinic. You've expanded access to services. You've provided vaccines not only to your members, but to mm-hmm. everyone in, in the community. It, it's really a... It's really impressive what you've been able to uh, to accomplish, and I'm I'm excited to see what's next in the the next five to ten years. Now, one of the things that a lot of folks don't realize is that a majority of the services that we provide come directly from our gaming revenues. Mm-hmm. So, all of the revenues that we receive, a lot of that goes back into the services mm-hmm. that we have. And, and the benefits that we provide for our, our members. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about uh, expanding, expanding services and, and the, the, the expansion of, of the, the healthcare services uh, can't be siloed from some of the other economic mm-hmm. development and activities for the, for the, whole, uh, the whole nation. And I, I think sometimes when we think about rural communities and, and healthcare access, we want to silo off and just say, okay, let's just think about healthcare. But it, I think it's true in a lot of communities, the success of, of a hospital is connected to the success of the community as a whole. Right. And some of the, the economic opportunities about the quality of life and, and for the, for the, the nation here, the, one of the things that's really connected is the, the casino. Mm-hmm. And how well that does, and you're able to to provide other services based on on the success there. Though everything is all tied together. I mean, and and even in a lot of those rural communities, maybe it's ag, maybe it's mm-hmm. um, you know some other type of industry, um, feedlots or stockyards or things like that. But I think that. Um, you know, one of the things that that I've always tried to impress upon council and the directors and our general manager, um, because it's a challenge to bring in healthcare providers or any other employees out here. Not mer- very many folks want to move to rural Kansas to to provide services. Let's be creative on you know how we are working with our employees. Let's be creative on. Um, some of the different um, areas that they may be asking for. Let's think outside of the box. I hate to use that term because it's a kind of overused cliche, mm-hmm. but you still have to look outside to try and figure out what what is the what is the 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 path that I can take that still provides the services for our members, but still provides a good working environment for our employees mm-hmm. that will ultimately take care of our members. Right. And, and I think sometimes when we think about where uh, organizations or, or, or business or, or uh, big uh, efforts, where, where the most innovation happens, mm-hmm. 
we think about innovation, we think about technology, and we think tech, we think big cities. But I think there's so much innovation that happens in our rural communities, in some cases out of necessity, but in a lot of cases it's it's um, because there's a lot of really bright, capable people in our rural communities mm-hmm. that, just as you said, look and, and say, we can't we can't act like we are a big city. We have to be creative in how we attract and how we provide and how we support our, our, our community members. And you've talked about how you do that here on the, the, uh, for your, your tribe, but I think that's true for rural communities of all, all sorts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, you're dealing with limited funds, so you have to be, or that, that environment forces you to be creative on, on some of those things that you can do to be able to provide for those residents in those different areas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think we've had a great conversation and I just want to, want to thank you again uh, for, for having us and um, that we're, we're delighted to be able to, to make the, the short drive, relatively short drive for, <laughs> for us up here. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for, for having us. Uh, here in this beautiful space, uh, I feel like I uh, sitting so close to where you normally <laughs> sit. Maybe we should have sat on on different spots, but uh, you all are are doing so many innovative things uh, to expand access to care and to to um, make a community that can thrive here. And I'm, I appreciate you sharing your, your wisdom and your, your lessons learned with us. Well, thank you for coming up here and thank you for allowing me to share our story. Absolutely. You just heard Health on the Plains. Look for new episodes twice per month. Follow us on social media and continue to listen to the latest episodes wherever you regularly listen to podcasts. Learn more at khi.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.